Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 143 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. How are you? I'm doing well. We are finally at the last two weeks of the year. Pretty exciting. Hallelujah. I have the Christmas spirit. Just saying. Yeah, I know. You're just glowing (laughs) with Christmas cheer. Yay. You know, the fudge does that to me. When I start cooking fudge, it makes me happy. Yeah, so what's night's plan? Are you guys working Christmas Eve, working Christmas Day? I know how you like to run a tight ship over there. Yeah, no, we're working Christmas Eve, though, for sure. Probably, hopefully, get out a little early, but no, we're here. Yeah, we're taking Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. Oh, you lucky bastard. But for the first time ever in our lab's history, we're working the week between Christmas and New Year. Oh, what, you usually shut down? For the 12 years I've been here, and I'm told it's gone back to the 80s, they've always closed that week. So are you open that week because you missed all that time with COVID? That's a little bit of it. And just being able to be available for our offices, I always felt that it kind of hurt us a little bit not being around. Is that your decision? Yeah, they let me make the decision, and some employees are happy, some employees are upset. (laughs) I was going to say, some employees are probably really pissed at you, buddy. Well, the ones that have been here 30 plus years, I went ahead and let them have that week off because they don't know any better. But some of the newer people, I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's rock it. Let's see what we can get done. Sweet. So what do you guys do in the lab for Christmas decorations? Do you guys go nuts? Do you allow people to decorate their benches? Do you have a tree? I go nuts. I've got these stupid lights that I tried to put on my house at home, the icicle ones. Oh, yeah. these cheap hangers and they all fell down. So I got pissed and yanked them all down and brought them into work. And we made a Christmas tree out of them. And then we put garland in the middle of the tree and we've got bows everywhere We had a Christmas luncheon for everybody yesterday, and we gave out bonuses this year, so it's been good. Wow, that is great. We usually go out to dinner, but we're not doing it this year, so we're bringing it into the lab having a lunch instead of going to a restaurant, for obvious reasons. Next week? Uh, Yeah, yeah, actually the 21st when this episode comes out. Cool. All right, well, we've been celebrating all week. It's been fun. Yeah, I've noticed a lack of gifts from offices this year. Usually we get bombarded with cookies and good things from our dental offices, but I'm not seeing too much of that. I do agree with you on that note. Yeah, we usually get some wine, some cheese, you know, chocolate, just some fun stuff. And I haven't really seen much of that. I I would agree. Did you give gifts to offices this year? No, we did Christmas cards, but... uh, Just cards? Yeah, not much. I came up with a pretty cool idea. I got these little keychain flashlights made and put our logo on it. And gave about five each to our bigger offices. And I put on there, here's to a brighter 2021. And it was a flashlight. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Did you make that up yourself? I did. I had a little help from some employees that came up with the podcast. Podcast is doing wonders for your creativity. (laughs) Marketing at its best. Yep. So, hey, a quick reminder to everybody. These last two weeks, it's the last time to head over to dentalpodcast.org and vote for us to be the best dental podcast of 2020. 
we are up against some big dentist and assistants and hygienist podcast. With us being the best part of dentistry, yeah, it shouldn't be hard to come in the top three with your help. So head over to dentalpodcast.org. You can vote every day until the 31st. I got to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> come on. Keep doing it. Every day. All right. And everyone you know, tell them to do it. And every computer you walk by and do it. Keep doing it every day, folks. Sounds kind of sexual. And Barbara's uh, back. <laughs> Your Christmas spirit is perverted. Uh, <laughs> so this week, we had the pleasure of having a true Southern gentleman on the podcast. Jimmy Stiegel. Jimmy started as a lab technician and then ran a lab that went from eight people to over 130 and now he's with Dent Supply Serona. Jimmy comes on the podcast to talk about his journey to become one of Dent Supply's leading authority on the Lucitone digital printed denture. Jimmy spends his time traveling to labs and getting them set up and trained on the carbon printed denture. He talks about the benefits of the product and the workflow and how he had to be won over to understand how it can work for labs. I also hit him with a few harder questions about Dent Supply's recent decisions that can only be answered by a fellow lab technician. So join us as we chat with Jimmy Stiegel from Dent Supply Serona. Hey Barbara, have you heard about Oradent and their new partnership? You mean up 3D Elvis? Exactly. The new P5 milling machine by Up 3D. Is it another private label milling machine on the market? Actually, no. That's the cool thing. Up 3D actually manufactures their own mills. Wow, that's awesome. What is the P5 milling machine offering? Well, for starter, the P5 is a 5-axis, efficient, dry mill. All right, so that's super ideal and totally convenient, but what about the quality of the milling? Well, it boasts software that produces high precision and fast milling. It can mill a crown, get this, in 14 minutes. And the tool life yields about 60 to 80 hours of quality restorations. Wow, that must be super expensive software. Do tell. The cam nasting software is included at no additional cost. Come on. That's a super great cost savings for any lab. Budget friendly without compromising any of the performance. All right, so let's talk about price. Well, the funny thing is it retails for only $18,000. Wow, that's a super game changer for labs of all sizes, big and small. Under 20 k a small lab can now do their own milling instead of outsourcing. But don't forget the medium and larger labs can benefit big time from this too. The UP3D recently opened a home office in California near Oradent. So does that mean the mill ships from California and the remote technical support is also in California? Yes, Barbara, you are correct. Obviously, as (laughs) always, they are both in the United States in Southern California. All you got to do is call our friends over at Oradent, 1-800-422-7373. Or you can visit their website at Oradent.com. We appreciate your support of the podcast, Oradent. Thank you. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We are happy to have on the program. My phone is ringing. One second. That was perfect timing. (laughs) I thought I turned this off. Sorry. We are happy to have on the program today 
Jimmy Stegall, the only guy in our industry that can pull off a bow tie. Jimmy, how are you today, <laughs> sir? <laughs> Better not deserve, man. Better not deserve. How are you guys? Fantastic over here in Florida. We're doing great. Jimmy, where are you located at? Oh, it's a beautiful day in South Carolina today. The storm has passed through and we've got bright sunshine and mid to upper 60s. Ooh, sweet. that is nice. Well, from my chilly 45 <laughs> degrees. We welcome you to the program. Jimmy, how did you get into this whole industry? You've been in it for a long time. Okay, here we go with the age thing right away. Yeah, 1979. Yeah, yeah. He's the funny one. <laughs> I mentioned the bow tie. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, 1979, I started working for a great guy, Joe Scherer. Joe Scherer had started Scherer Dental Lab as a one-man tech, and when I came on, there were about eight of us, uh, but we were full service at the time. And it's just funny, a good childhood friend of mine's parents lived next door to Joe and Joe told them that he was looking for help. And my good buddy was tired of me living the single life and having fun while he was married. So he said, you need to go settle down and work a day job. So (laughs) I went by and saw Joe and Joe put me to work. It was pretty fun. I, I started as a technician. And I was a denture technician for a while, so I learned all about the denture processes. And then Joe moved me into Crown and Bridge, and he taught me a lot of things over there. And yeah, so that's how I got started. It was fun. So you had no previous knowledge when your friend's neighbor says you want to work in a dental lab. What did you think when you first walked in? There? <laughs> well, you know, again, I was uh, single, just out of school, still bartending, living the good life, right? And I thought yeah. you know, the only good thing this sounds about this is this day job. But I found it very fascinating in the beginning, right? Like most folks that don't know about our industry, you're surprised to see how much goes on. So fortunately, uh, Joe had five or six really, really good folks working for him at the time. And they took me under the wing and and taught me a lot of cool things. And and Joe sent me to a lot of good courses. So I trained under some of the best, but uh, (laughs) not too long, within just a a few short years, three or four years, I think everybody realized, including myself, that I was about the lab's most okayest dental technician. So... (laughs) I think there's a mug for that. Yeah. <laughs> so they moved me into customer facing things. So I started going out and calling on docs and visiting customers and helping guys. And that seemed to be a better fit for me. And that's kind of where I spent the rest of my career after the first three years. So again, started in 79 and uh, came to Dent Supply oh, just almost four years ago now. So a long time and a lot with sales and I spent the last 15 or so years helping run the place. So, you know, hiring folks and working with our key customers and all our vendors and just sort of helping Joe's son trip at the time run the place. So, and we were very fortunate. It was a great place to work. Um, we started with eight. Uh, when I left, uh, there were 135 folks and wow. uh, three locations. We grew every year that we were there. Wow. That's a substantial laboratory. Where are they located? Uh, right here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I was born and raised here, been here. So Elvis said that you're one of the warriors right now. So are you um, out traveling very much? I am. Last year, I was on a plane a lot. This year, it started the same way. But uh, on March 13th, I uh, was in Texas helping uh, Curtis Helm at Helm Dental Lab. And uh, that's when the COVID thing, I think it was March 13th. Oh, yeah, it was March. Yeah. And I didn't travel through the rest of March, April, May, started back a little bit in June. But uh, back in July, August, it, it went back full force. So with our Loose Tone Digital Print, um, I've spending a lot of time in labs, you know, helping them get started with that. So, mm. yeah, I've been on a plane three or four times a week. Wow. So let's talk about your transition. So you grew this lab to 150. 
What was the appeal of leaving and working for Dent Supply? <laughs> That's a good question. And, and actually, there, there was a one-year gap in there that uh, I forgot to mention. And, yeah. and that, that was the appeal. Uh, if you remember at the time, well, you didn't know at the time, Buddy Pickle was CEO of uh, DSG. Okay. I remember yeah. Buddy. Yeah. Well, he's a fun guy. And, and we had talked over the years many times. And and Buddy came to me and said, I have an idea. I want to uh, start a new group. I want you to head it up. And the group is finding a way to purchase and bring into our network smaller labs. Up at that point, they only were looking at bigger labs, but he wanted to find a way and had some ideas. And so in my role at Share, I had hired several small lab owners, right? And, and my heart sure. hurt for them, right? You, when a guy comes into your office and wants a job and, and I said, well, what, what about your lab? What happened? He said, well... You know, I was up to 25 people were doing this, but now it's just me and I'm there every Friday and Saturday. And it's just, yeah. and you hear that story so many times. Anyway, so I hired a lot of these guys and, and Buddy's idea was to, you know, find those guys and figure out a way to fit them within the DSG network. And I thought that was going to make an impact. And I felt like what a great way to end my career is to go help guys continue on and do things they love to do. And it was going really well. We were having a lot of fun, but a year later, DSG changed the regime and the new CEO had a different path. He wanted to be more internal growth and no more acquisitions. So the acquisition group was no longer needed at DSG. So I yeah. was uh, unemployed and uh, took about a six month hiatus to, you know, weigh my options. Mm-hmm. One day chatted with somebody from Dent Supply and uh, they talked about a role for me. And I thought that sounds pretty good. And hmm. that's how I got to Dent Supply. Awesome. What exactly was that role they talked about. It was Darren Lockabee, who was one of our uh, leading uh, area directors. And uh, at the time, he was over the Atlantis group, uh, sales group, and he needed somebody to help develop strategy and work with the key customers, the larger groups like DSG and NDX and Micro and those things. And so I came on as a, um, basically as part of the sales team to support those large lab groups, work with the C-suite folks to, to help see how Dead Supply Atlantis could help them. Mm-hmm. Within a um, gosh, six, eight months, they realized that putting me in the sales group was not ideal because of my ability to do CE events. And if you're in sales, you can't give CE credit. So, Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. If you're in a sales role and if you're in a commission loop, the, the ADACRP mm-hmm. says you shouldn't give CE credits or they don't allow it. So they moved me into more of a, a support role. So at that point, I started giving CE lectures on uh, implant solutions for all our clinical implant reps around the country. And while still supporting those large lab groups, because I'd already developed the relationships and was helping them in any way I could. Mm-hmm. I did that for about a year. And then uh, the lab division uh, stole me and said, look, you're already talking to them about implants. Why can't you talk to them about teeth and porcelain? And Mm-hmm. Acrylic, and so uh, a new team was created. The national accounts team, John Barnes headed it up. Where put a team of four folks to uh, really focus on helping the largest Dentsplasterona customers in the lab area, and that including Atlantis and the consumables and the digital. So we've been doing that for a couple of years, and yet here we go again, changing yet again. But I think it's a good thing we're doing that. Yeah, they say if you're not changing, you're uh, you're dying. So it sounds to me like uh, they put you in a perfectly fitting position at this point, being as your um, technical background. Yeah, this whole new reorg of the sales group, I think is fantastic for Dentsply. It's going to have some speed bumps, but 
I, I think it's wonderful. I, I remember, you know, at the lab when dent supply folks would call on me, I would say, you guys confused me, right? There were three other dent supply folks here in the last two weeks, and I don't know what any of you do, right? Yeah. So what they're doing now is they're consolidating all nine divisions, the sales teams of all nine divisions into small regional groups managed by one manager. So your local lab, you'll have a lab rep, an ortho rep, a restorative rep, an endo rep, and all the other divisions that we have managed by one person. So all those resources is going to make it better for the customers because they're all going to get paid on each other's successes. So sure. It's a great move, but certainly not without a lot of moving parts and pieces that have to be settled. Yeah, I know here that you're right. There was a clinical dent supply rep I saw, an Alanis rep. There was, God, there was uh, the teeth guy. I mean, was, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I couldn't tell who was who. And if you ask one about the other, they had no idea. Yeah. And I know that you guys are working on that to kind of streamline that to be more supportive of each other. And I mean, that's going to be a huge help. It's going to be huge. And you, you wonder how a $5 billion company hadn't done it yet, right? How could we remain so siloed for so long? But it has its advantages too, right? When you're siloed, then those folks in those silos become really good at what they're doing. So, you know, your Atlantis rep is really good at Atlantis. And so it's going to mean a lot of training, right? The Atlantis rep and the, the lab reps, we call them, which sells porcelain teeth, acrylic. Those. Yeah. And the in-lab reps, the digital guys, are now merging into one. So now you'll have one lab rep that covers all three divisions. And so there's a learning curve for all these folks that are being cross-trained and everything. And all that's going on feverishly right now. Yeah, I remember asking the in-lab rep how I sent to Alanis, and he didn't know. And I'm like, you're the same company. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's been fixed, and I'm excited. Somebody said, why now, right? Right in the middle of all this going on now. I said, well, you know, the Band-Aid's already three-quarters away off. Let's just go ahead and snatch it and get it done now. 2021 can be great. I see you on Facebook traveling a ton showing off the carbon lucitone printed denture. Yeah. Obviously, that's what a majority of your time is right now. So talk about how you were introduced into that and where it's going. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I'm super excited about it. It's about a year and a half ago I first heard about it, and, and they set up a early adopter program where they invited, I don't know, 20 or 30 labs from around the country to Charlotte to introduce it. And uh, that's where I first got introduced. And, you know, coming from the lab and coming from a position of managing the lab and keeping a close finger on the pulse of, you know, labor cost and time to do things, you know, we, I was religious about that stuff. I, you know, to know how much it was costing us to make a denture, that kind of thing. I saw this and I immediately got excited. You know, I felt a tug, you know, go back to the lab and and really take this and run with it. (laughs) But, you know, when they started running over them with trucks and dropping them out of three-story buildings and they weren't breaking out, it really caught my attention. Yeah, sure. And, you know, and I guess because it was such an appeal to me and I saw the, the validity of how this could really help. And once I got over the initial shock of the carbon uh, business model and started to see the benefits of carbon, I really thought, I don't know how a lab that makes dentures can't look at this or something like this, right, in order to keep going. Because everywhere I go, almost everywhere, and, and Bob, you guys will confirm this, I get asked, uh, can you find me a removable technician? Oh, yeah. I wish I could. Absolutely. I was going to ask you later. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw this as a solution for that, right? I I lost a lot of sleep because worried about, God, what if this tooth setter 
gets sick and he had a heart attack once or, you know, what if this person yeah. leaves me? And, you know, this really gives the lab the ability to scale up a lot easier because the workflow, the steps in the workflow is a ton easier to teach. And this is aligned with what Dead Supply is trying to do, not only with the realignment of the sales force, but also as a company to be a, a, a total overall end-to-end digital solutions company. Mm-hmm. And this just makes sense, right? We kind of went through this pain with Zirconia in the beginning, and now it's the removal's turn. Yeah. But when you think about that, though, you know, a lot of the training, you've got to train the lab and the lab has to train the clinician. Are you guys involved with a clinician as well or just the laboratory? I'm, I'm sure you are. But if you are, how? How do you go about training and teaching and getting that message out? You're so smart, Barbara. You really are so smart. <laughs> um, Tell Elvis that, would you? Quit sucking up to the host. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to up my pay here, you know. <laughs> I get two times zero. I'm doing good. No, absolutely. Follow that. As a matter of fact, I have, you know, several months ago, you know, after the trainings have ramped on up, and I've trained over 80 labs. I think we've got over 130, 140 LDP labs now. Wow. The demand for that, what you just asked for, uh, rose up. So I have created a clinical program, the Three Appointment Digital Denture, where I've done it in conjunction with uh, Dr. Wagner and some folks at Carbon, and we've done it, you know, many places around the country now. And that's just a tip, right? Other people are doing it. More and more people are doing it. I saw where micro. You've got to educate the docs, right? Because yeah. the big change for the dentist is the try-in. Mm-hmm. But I see a huge yeah. value in the try-in. The try-in being a printed try-in is going to give us in the lab a ton better data, right? We're going to get so much more data more accurately. You know, you think about the first thing I thought is, my God, I'm going to quit making bite rims if I'm in a dental lab. I'm not going to yeah. make another mm-hmm. big blocky pink piece of wax that a doctor doesn't know what to do with. And, you know, some docs, we work for some prosthodontists and some dentists that really did what you should do with the bite rim and carve and shave and all that. But most didn't. Right. And so we, like most labs, when we sent teeth out in wax trying, we got them back one, two or three times to reset because of that yeah. bite problem. Now I feel like I can tell a dentist, look, we're going to start with the patient's existing dentures. And we know that eight out of 10 of those patients do have dentures and I don't care how bad they are. But we're going to take those dentures and we're going to do your initial impression and bite with those. Mm-hmm. And most docs are going to be relieved, right? Because they can do that pretty easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From that data, we're going to scan and create that uh, printed try-in. We're going to send back to you and you're going to be able to put it in the patient's mouth and let them wear it for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, three days, three weeks. Mm-hmm. It's a test drive take-home denture. And let wow. it settle in. Let them communicate back to you what they like, what they don't like modify that try-in, send it back to the lab. The lab can scan that and make those modifications on the final design. Because the try-in was created from the original denture, we're going to be so much closer on the bite and the vertical and the occlusal plane and the comfort for the patient that we're going to cut down our try-in steps significantly. Sure. Just better data. And then you gain the whole advantage of a digital denture, whether it's ours or anybody, right? If it's created in a computer and printed in a good printer or milled in a good mill, it is going to fit the tissue better. (laughs) So that will cut down on those follow-up appointments where the patient comes back and says it hurts. So I know that the printing obviously is a lot easier, but between the printed trial and then the finished denture, what is the difference in material? With ours, the Lucitone Digital Print... 
resin and the Lucitone Digital Print Try-In are basically the same chemical. Okay. Right? It's the same resin. The only difference is the color. Interesting. So no difference whatsoever now. But if the try-in goes out and it doesn't fit the tissue well because of changes, then all the dentist has to do is do another impression wash in that try-in. The lab can scan that and create the final denture using that data. So there is a little bit of analog going on on the clinician side. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. so they are going to yeah, do that. We, we are definitely still in the one foot in the analog, one foot in the digital world. You know, I have dentists that say, no, I love my custom trays. I love my border molding. I love my bite rims. Do I have to change? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But dentists can still continue to do that. Send those records to the lab. You guys can generate them into a digital version and make the dentures that way. Mm-hmm. So there are options, which to me, when I talk to dentists, it's all about having options. I don't think we should never try to convince doctors there's only one way to do something. We've seen that fail when you have an option for a doctor and they only have one option to get you the data. It doesn't work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Elvis and I have talked to many people on the podcast that, that have that same opinion, you know, that doing some digital and some analog and putting them two together with the removable denture is really best right now. Right now it is best. You're right. Yeah. That's why I like the reference denture workflow so much. Yeah. It's easier for the dentist. The patient's going to be happy because if the dentist has an interoral scanner, they can scan those reference denture impressions and send them to the lab and the patient can leave with their dentures. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's better for the lab because they're going to set a better setup for the try-in because they've got better data. Right. And it's better for the dentist because his appointments are going to go from five, six, seven down to three. So I, I get all of that, but I, I have a question on material costs and ROI. So You know, the laboratory, obviously, we already have our printers and our things like that. But by doing it this way, do you guys have any data on material costs versus, you know, doing it all analog? And do laboratories have a greater margin or an even margin when they're fabricating these? There you go. Think it like me again. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Elvis. (laughs) No, you're (laughs) fine. Dollars are important. I mean, it's it's sure it's the first thing I thought, right? Okay, this all sounds good. I love the technology. I'm kind of geeky that way, but okay, what's it cost, right? And so yeah, I think yeah, about sure. the carbon printer and, and this fancy resin. And in the end, yes, Barb, we have a ton of analysis and, and we've got spreadsheets out the wazoo that you can look at. But here's Jimmy's bottom line is that your price per denture on the resin and teeth is about 60 bucks. Right. Yep. Which is probably the same or more as what we're doing traditional analog wise. The big wins is in scalability. I can do more of these in this workflow than I can analog simply because it's a faster, more efficient workflow. You're looking at uh, traditional hands on time for a denture at what about an hour and a half, maybe hour and 45 hands on time. And for digital, it's probably closer to an hour. So we're going to say 30 to 45 minutes hands-on time, which means in my world at Share, we asked our, our denture team, five folks, to do 24 a day. That same group, if I could wave a wand and make them digitally oriented, they could scan and design and all that, they could do 32 a day right away. Wow. So there's where I'm going to save is over on the labor material cost. You know, I'm going to go from $4 worth of acrylic to $14 worth of resin in a printer. Hmm. And if I'm using portrait teeth on the analog, you know, 30 bucks a card to 20 bucks a card for the digital teeth. And, but I have options, right? I can mill or print teeth and get it down to $4 an arch if I want to print them or, you know, $10 an arch if I want to mill. 
So generally, this process, you still use carded teeth? Yeah, the Loose Tone Digital Print was developed with carded teeth for a specific reason. Number one, nobody had yet invented a, a millable puck or a printable resin that would result in a tooth that's the same quality or good quality as carded teeth. Hmm. Tooth manufacturers have figured all that out a long time ago. And so Dent Supply decided, let's go with what we know and what you know has a durability and the aesthetic. So the 3D tooth for Loose Tone Digital Print is basically a, a modified portrait tooth. And chemically, the way it's manufactured, it's a portrait tooth. The only difference is the way it's shaped on the back. Huh. And so we have the lifelong warranty, the durability, you know, doesn't crack or wear. And that's the main reason. I think eventually somebody, you know, is going to develop a bottle of goo we can pour in a printer and will result <laughs> in a, a quality tooth like a carded tooth. But until then, again, I like to have the option. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I thought everybody was printing their teeth, but. It makes sense. I mean, the, just the, the quality you get with a manufactured carded tooth is superior. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, some folks are milling some high-end pucks like the Crystal Ultra stuff is, you know, yeah. ceramic resin, and it's great. And it's probably got the same durability and it certainly has the same aesthetics as any carded tooth, but it's also super expensive, right? What most people are using to print or mill denture teeth are, are some version of a PMMA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the FDA looks at that as a provisional material. So we're, we're looking at limited lifespan expectancy of, of those teeth. And But that doesn't torque me too bad because I've got the denture in a computer, right? If I've got to replace the teeth in two, three, four years, I just go bring it, bring it up and print it again. Yeah. So you talked about if the patient already has dentures in that workflow. What if they don't? What if they're completely edentulous and don't have dentures to reference? Well, first of all, is the prime scan able to scan that edentulous patient? Well, the quick answer is yes, but the more realistic answer is it takes a really, really good operator to do that. Yeah, I've heard that. It has the accuracy, the technology of that, our prime scan and a couple of other competitors on the market today certainly have the cross-arch accuracy that we need for edentulous intraoral scans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people worry about stretching the tissue, the borders, the depth of the sulcus, all those things. Dr. LaRusso has probably done more on this than anybody. And, you know, he he says, look, we're getting caught up on traditional analog way of thinking. You know, because these are digitally created devices, they fit the tissue so much better. Maybe we don't need the deep borders that we used to need. Maybe we don't need the post amps or the bead lines we used to need. We added all those things because we needed help because we couldn't fabricate an acrylic to fit the tissue as good as we do now digitally. Hmm. With a digital denture, maybe we don't need to go as far and, and they stay in better, even though we may not have a quote unquote compound border mold impression. So what I think the better workflow is, is for dentists with intraoral scanners is to take a traditional impression in a denture and scan that outside of the mouth. It's a lot easier to do that way. Okay. So here we are one foot in, one foot out again. But if somebody doesn't have a set of dentures, you know, I've thought about this a lot and, you know, I would do what I would do 20 years ago. I'd tell the doc, all right, give me whatever bite or vertical you can give me and a couple of impressions. And I'm going to pour the models. I'm going to scan them. I'm going to go in my computer and I'm going to design you a, a set of dentures. <laughs> Neither one of us can be certain about where the occlusal planar bite is, but I'm going to give you your first set of reference dentures. So with that guy, probably going to send him that one. And the bite's probably not going to be too close at that point yeah. because maybe it was one of them stupid mush bites or whatever. But from that, then I'm going to use, okay, that's your reference denture. Now let's start there. Grind on it. 
whatever you need to do to get it to where you think it should be and send new impressions in it, send it back to me, and then I'll create you another set of printed triants. We add just an additional step. Sure. Yeah, but it's really not that far off. That's interesting. Do you have an option if the laboratory does not have the equipment? Can they send it to Densply or somebody in your company and you guys do the print for them? No, we, not at Densupply, but we partnered when we did the FDA validation of the materials and workflow, we partnered with Full Contour. So Full Contour can do the designs within the workflow. Uh, Core 3D is doing some work and I'm pretty sure Argon is going to be doing it as well. And wow. with Core 3D and Argon, I would assume they would not only design but, and or print for labs as well. Mm-hmm. But there are some of our LDP labs that are printing for other labs too. Mm-hmm. So again, options, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does it have to be designed on the in-lab or can 3Shape and ExoCAD users do it? It was initially created uh, within the 3Shape workflow and then in-lab followed up. And those are both done and validated, so you can use either. ExoCAD is being worked on. COVID put a a delay on that. It's probably going to be sometime early 21 before uh, the libraries are finally validated for ExoCAD, but it's coming. Nice. And is it true that this resin will eventually be in printers other than carbon? (laughs) Ah, Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) I ask that question a lot, right? I look at what some other companies do and I see this really cool ad and say, here's all our goo across the top. And down the left-hand side is all the printers that it works with. I said, guys, we need to do that, right? Yeah. I, you know, I think we're getting the mess. I, I believe this was a hard material development. And I know that the engineers at Dent Supply and Carbon worked about three years on this. Wow. And I, I believe that the resin takes full advantage of that unique carbon ability. And it's in the cartridge, the place where you pour the goo, yeah. right? It's, it's the only printer out there that has the oxygen permeable layer, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why you get the speed of print and the non-layered type print. And this material was developed for that. Sure. Hmm. I, you know, is somebody out there pouring it in another printer and having success? I have no idea. If I had a couple other printers, I might try it. <laughs> that's why I wouldn't be happy with me. Yeah. I would like to know who's taking that chance with their printer. I'm just going to pour this in, see if it works. Yeah, Next thing yeah. you know, your old printer doesn't work. So. Yeah. I have had some labs ask me, hey, get me a bottle of that goo. I want to try. I said, I'm not. At liberty to do that. Yeah. But I feel you. I, I feel you. I want to see it too. But I hope so, Elvis. I, I really yeah. hope that, you know, it makes sense. Labs want to buy what equipment they want to buy, use what equipment they want to use. Sure. But I, I will say this Carbon came to me, you know, when they first came on the market. And at the time, yeah. the only thing any of us were printing were models. And I just, I pushed them out the door. I said, I'm not renting a printer for you for 40000 to yeah. print models. I've got people doing that and I don't have enough demand. But Having worked with these guys for a couple of years now and seeing the dependability of that printer and seeing the level of service and support this company gives, it'd be a no brainer for me. Yeah. If somehow Dent Supply decides to close up shop tomorrow and I want to go open up a lab, the first two calls I'm making is for a software and the carbon. And I'm just going to do dentures. Nice. Wow. You don't have to worry about the darn things. And they're fast. They're easy. It's nothing else is like it in our market. I had... Six mills, three printers, yeah. you know, 18, 20, three shape licenses. And I can tell you, every one of those things were down at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and it's usually a two or three or one week period before they back up again. And that's yeah, hard when sure. you're trying to print 100 wax copings or mill, you know, 200 zirconia crowns. And 
it just doesn't happen with the carbon. And that's invaluable to me as a lab manager. They didn't give you one to put in the garage? Uh, no, but there's one no. in the Charlotte Academy that I go play with quite often. There you go. <laughs> that's cool. So when you're out training people, because what you do is you go into labs that have a carbon and you train them on this process, correct? Yep. Hmm. How do you train them? Are you training removable technicians, or are you training fixed technicians for this process? It's different at every lab. You know, some yeah. labs are, are dedicating a team, and they're pulling from the removal team. Some labs are using a mix, like, and, and this is not a bad model, right? If you take somebody that's in front of Three Shape all day designing crowns, yeah, it's not too tough of a transition to move them over to designing dentures. But what really works with that person is an older school denture tech looking over his shoulder and saying, all right, I'm going to show you about borders. I'm going to show you about yeah. what a post-dam is and what tuberosities are and retromolar pads. And I've seen that work phenomenally well. Initially, when I started, I thought, okay, I'm going to go in these labs and, and these old school lab guys are going to hate me and they're going to hate this. And But I have been amazed and, and I can probably think, you know, zirconia, CAD CAM, all those things we've already been through as an industry mm -hmm. for this acceptance. You know, I think everybody in our world has already said, you know, CAD CAM's definitely here. Mm -hmm. So I've seen some really good synergy between lab denture techs and CAD techs yep. working together. And I think if a denture guy will work with a, a CAD designer for, you know, a few days, he'll get it, man. These guys, these young folks with 3D mouse and stylus pads, mm -hmm. and I mean, they're, they're incredible what they can do. Sure. I just started. And just what you said, I think, in the beginning of our program is how hard it is right now everywhere in the United States to find a removable technician. Right. You just can't find them anymore. So if you can continue the skill level, just, you know, be able to teach those CAD guys how to do this. I think that's super important. I have also been in labs where, you know, I've taken a, an old school tooth setter. Right. And yep. got him down the digital path. He just got to learn how to use that mouse. And, and that's worked well. Yeah. A couple of labs are outsourcing their designs. Hmm. Other than the design, it's pretty easy to integrate all the other steps. I can teach Vesmar how to put teeth in a base. Right? <laughs> <laughs> when you teach a marketing guy how to put teeth in a base, you've got a pretty cool system. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have the carbon printer, it's got to be pretty easy. Just change the resin and then nest the denture. I mean, the printing part of it's pretty straightforward, right? Even easier, Carbon just released a uh, auto nesting, auto support tool for the loose tone digital print. So now all the lab's got to do is import the STLs and the Carbon software does everything else. Nice. But what if you don't have a Carbon printer? You're screwed. <laughs> so there's no other option at this point? Not for loose tone digital print. Okay. No, uh, you can mill, right? We still have the loose tone 199 pucks. And of course, uh, there are a couple of other manufacturers making denture resin that work in other printers. Gotcha. Yeah, but you have like 40 carbons, don't you, Barb? I mean, you're good to go, right? Um, pretty good to go, Elvis. We have three. <laughs> But I was just curious, you know, because I know it's a partnership, but I was just wondering if there was any way you could use another printer. But not yet. Not yet. What is the post-processing look like? Um, just like any other 3D post-processing, right? You take the printed parts out of the printer and you've got to go through an isopropyl alcohol bath or a couple sure. of baths, get all the excess resin off. And then in our world, you bond the teeth in, whether it's the carded teeth or mill teeth or printed teeth, you bond them in using chemistry that we developed to go along with a system called Digital Fuse, right? And Digital Fuse uh, uses chemistry that's exactly like the base. So the teeth literally fuse to the base. I've taken pliers and I can't 
get them out. Interesting. Uh, and then it goes into a curing unit, right, for uh, a 30-minute cycle to get the final cure. Oh, you bond them before you light cure it. Yes, yes. Oh, and it comes out of the carbon printer. It's about, I don't know, 70 80% done at that point. Yeah. And what that does, a couple things, it, it means that we don't have to worry about the oxygen inhibited layer anymore. So we use a, a little tack light to tack the teeth down. It takes about 10 minutes to put the teeth in place. And then it goes into the unit. And again, what we put them in with is the same material as the base with some extra chemistry to help enhance that bond. But mm -hmm. same color, same shade and everything. And so we literally get a fusing of teeth. Interesting. Hmm. And then a regular pumice and polish? Exactly. No, no new steps, no new burrs, no new tools. Do it exactly like you do acrylic. The good news is, you know, if the designer was on their game, there could be very little finishing for the finishing tech. Yeah. All the fence tuning and everything's already there. So really all they have to do is smooth down the support areas where the little nibs were holding it up in the printer mm -hmm. and go to the pumice bench and polish it. Uh, you literally can finish or smooth or polish one of these things down in uh, five to 10 minutes. Wow. Nice. And it grinds on it just like acrylic, right? I mean, it's the same. Well, no, it does feel different, and, but most people like the way it feels. It's a resin, not an acrylic. So sure. you know, with acrylic, when you put a carbide to it, it more, it kind of get peels and rolls a little bit, but with yeah. this material, it's just sort of a powder residue that comes off. So it's a more smoother, denser feel with your burr. Yeah, I need to find a place to try some of these. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. Yeah, I'll see you I are. don't have a carbon. I don't see a carbon in the near future, but... I like the idea of it. I think you're right. I think it's a streamline of a process that we're, of course, struggling through every day. Well, I'll tell you how I swallowed, finally swallowed the carbon pill. I was when I put aside the customer service and the dependability yeah. and all that. It's still $50,000 rent a year, right? Yeah. So here's the way I finally swallowed it. I said, look, if I can put that printer over in the corner and I can print a certain number of things in it per day that I'm getting paid for, I can figure out what I'm getting and paying for and how much I got to have, right? So yeah. If you take the 50,000, you divide it by the number of working days, you're literally looking at on the their biggest platform, $200 a day, $197 a day. So all I got to do is make sure that I print enough stuff out of that printer every day to generate a profit of $197 to make that payment. Everything else is gravy. So you literally can have a carbon printer and a small lab. If you print at least four dentures a day, you're going to pay for that pay printer without any problem. Interesting way of looking at it. If you do eight, you're, you're ahead. Uh, tell you a story of a small lab. Two guys, they were doing eight dentures a day, analog style. Nobody but them, making a good living, love their life, but they got a carbon. And uh, six months later, they're doing 10 a day, and, but only four of them are in the carbon. They're still doing six traditionally because they hadn't figured out how to completely turn the workflows over. Yeah. But they're making money because they're selling 10 a day instead of eight. And he says, we're going home at five o'clock every, every day. day. Sometimes that's more important. Yeah. So Jimmy, another reason we have you on the podcast is to talk about Dense Supply's recent announcement of getting rid of a lot of analog products. You know, we're talking about digital dentures and the digital workflow. But when Dent Supply announced a pretty hefty list of products they're going to phase out and discontinue, the industry kind of gasped because I don't think people realize how many people still used all those analog products. What was Dent Supply's thinking behind all of this? Okay, I have to be real careful here, right? I do need Yeah, to you do. <laughs> so. You know that this is the question Elvis has been dying to ask for the last 40 minutes, so... We finally and, got and, to the meat. That's right. And it's okay. 
Not that everything else wasn't important. I, I was shocked too, right? Matter of fact, I, I got a call that said, because they knew when I was at the lab that I was a big True Expression customer. And they said, okay, how's this going to go? How are you going to take this? I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it took me, you know, six months to talk me into that tooth. And, and so I've been pretty happy with it. And now you're coming to tell me that I can't have it anymore. I'm hoping that you're also coming to me with an alternative, right? Yeah. We're going digital and the 3D tooth is the way we want to go. So instead of the true expressions, here's a 3D tooth for the same price. And they, they, I'm sorry, Dentsply, but they, they didn't, right? They didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. I think they're doing that now and to their credit. So I love the idea of going digital. I understand from, because from my point of view, I can I hear things and I know that all those products that they discontinued, They've been losing money on forever. Sure. <laughs> they just don't make, they don't sell enough of it to, to make money. So it's the profits come from everything else. And so that was uh, a rule of thumb. And the other was the fact that they really want to integrate a total digital solution company. And, and that means digital. You know, I think where they dropped the ball was they didn't come with that solution in hand before they did that. Hmm. But I also understand why, because by stopping those products, it affected some people, right? There's mm -hmm. some people that actually mixed the goo up or, you know, created the things. And those people were either going to be, you know, moved to something else or let go. And you couldn't do this ahead of time without them finding out. And so a lot of it had to do with internal communication with existing employees and the impact it was going to have on them. And so, like I said earlier, it, it's, it's a Band-Aid. It's painful. And, you know, Dispos going to lose some customers over it. I know, I know a lot of labs have already told me about, you know, calling the, some of the other tooth lines and I, I, I would too. I told the people that asked me about my true expression teeth and, and not having a solution. I said, well, here's what I do. As soon as you leave, I get on the internet and I go find me that $10 card tooth somewhere. Like yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even like teeth here. I mean, it was some of the other products, like even the eclipse material. I didn't even realize how much we used it until all of a sudden we find out we can't get it anymore. And you're like, Oh, I got to do something about this. Yeah. That's been kind of a thorn product anyway, because I don't know all the nuances of manufacturing, but I do know that uh, that product has been on back order more than it should be. So there's a manufacturing problem somewhere, which probably related to the cost as well. But you're in a very small minority that use the stuff. It's uh, there's certainly other materials out there that sure. are used more widely. And again, it was a money loser for debt supply. So it's, is basically cleaning out the stock room of all the dusty products they didn't sell enough of. And yeah, let's call a spade a spade. You know, when when all of COVID went down, everybody and every company and every laboratory has had to look at what their money makers are and what their, you know, money losers are and how do you, you know, stay financially stable and make sure you're, you know, taking care of your customers, but taking care of yourself and your business. And I do understand why a company such as Dent Supply needs to make a decision like that, especially after the last six months. And you even said it yourself, all of the products that they did eliminate, they were losers for them. Well, it's really no different than we have to tell a doctor we can't do their work anymore because there's too many remakes or yeah. they keep asking for lower, lower prices and then things change. And then you're like, I can't afford to do this anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. And, you know, we've all had to do that in the lab. Makes a lot of sense. It also frees us up, right? It frees up a ton of resources to be able to bring the new stuff out, right? That 
I don't get a lot of behind the curtain looks, but I'm hearing some really cool things about what's coming down the pipeline, debt supply and digital and integration, full integration. And the most exciting thing to me is I learned early on when I came to debt supply that the lab division was almost a, we hardly notice you kind of group. Yeah. But today that is vastly different, right? All the way up to Don Casey, they recognize the value of labs as being a integral cog in the whole digital workflow, right? None of it works without labs because it all got to come through labs. So I'm amazed at the volume of senior debt supply leadership that's engaged in lab processes now. And this whole reorg, you know, resulted in the creation of a new team headed up by Chris Geelins, which I'm on now. And it's called the procedural solutions team. And it's just procedural solution specialists from all the divisions working as a team to support that new sales force with all these new developing workflows. Pretty exciting stuff. Wow. Let me ask you another possibly controversial question. <laughs> Lithium desilicate was all done by labs and now offices are able to do it. And zirconias used to only be done by labs, and now offices are doing it. Is digital denture, is it going to go that route? Or is there something that we can do to help keep it in the lab business to keep us strong? That's a great question. I, you know, I worry that all this R&D that we do and all this energy and all this money labs are putting out there to perfect this system, that at one time it's going to become a chair-side product. If you look at history, Elvis, you'd almost have to say that, yeah, I think it might to some degree because it has in the past, right? Yeah. History repeats itself. But here's what I've also learned once I've been inside that supply. While there has been some growth with that world, and I affectionately call those guys the Kool-Aid drinkers, right? These are the guys that want to do everything within their own dental office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't get it. I don't understand how a dentist can be a dental technician and make a living, right? But they're serious, right? Go to DS World and you'll see them. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a cult almost. And But God bless them. You know, they're, they're geeks and they like to do what they do. And there's going to be some of those guys that want to do it. Now, I immediately thought of Ed Wagner when you said that. Dr. Wagner, while he loves digital and he now has another intraoral device and he'd like to have a carbon, but he has a lab tech in his office and to do that for him. Yeah. He's yeah. never going to go back there and do it. Um, GPs, I don't know. It's a pretty expensive technology, so I don't think it would be as, as integrated, but yeah, there'll probably be a few. Yeah. You know, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of those guys, so I don't worry about them. I tell them, let me know if I can help you. I'll come help your girls use the machine better, teach you how to stain and glaze, and when you get the bridge or the implant case, give me a call. I'll be happy to do that for you. That's the approach that a lot of people take, and with the Serona and the in-office milling is you have to support the machine but just accept the fact that they have the machine. Yeah. I just worry that that's the way their digital dentures are going to go eventually. And what will be next for labs, you know? <laughs> right. Well, it's definitely different today than it was 10 years ago. And who sure. knows what will be 10 years from now. Yeah. I mean, you'll always have those dentists that are technicians at heart. We've had them on the program plenty oh, yeah. of times. It's a good perspective. And by all rights, they can do that. But, you know, we do enjoy talking to those offices that have in-lab technicians. And I fully support that. Yeah, because that's a good avenue for any technician to be in office. I know many that are very good, yeah. very busy. <laughs> the Loose Talk Digital Print has given me the opportunity to connect with a group I've never connected with before, and it's the Denturist Group. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we love them. Those guys are impressive what they're doing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Are there denturists that have this? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> kind of a whole new market this year for carbon to go talk to denturists. Uh, Jamie Stover and I from carbon did a combination program for what started as the Washington State Denturist Association, but yep. somehow the Canadian Denturist Association heard about it. And then the U.S. Denturist Association heard about it. So we had all three on the program. Nice. So Fantastic. Yeah, that's a great way for them because their denturists are technicians. I mean, that's just what they are. And that's a busy life, seeing patients <laughs> and doing the work. Yeah. I mean, no thank you. <laughs> well, Jimmy, we appreciate you coming on the program. I'm sorry I threw a few harder questions at you. Oh, no. That's okay, man. i tell you what. One thing that I've learned being on this side of the fence, and I tell people all the time, right? I'm still a lab guy, right? I was a lab guy for 40 years. This is, uh, I'm happy to be here. I love what I do. I love teaching and helping folks but I'm still a lab guy. What I have learned that while, you know, senior leadership or management or whoever the powers that be that make decisions of dropping products or reorganizing sales force. I mean, and I get it. I'm glad they're there. And then those are the big thinkers and dreamers and, and God bless them. But I've worked with a ton of frontline field level sales reps, technical support folks that are actually out there on the ground, calling on labs, visiting labs, helping labs, and I can tell you that Dent Supply, from that point of view, is a very grassroots organization. I've not met anybody that's doing things like that, that truly does not care about what labs do, what labs need, and how they can help labs. And that's why I love doing what I'm at. The other things are painful, and, and I get it, and they hurt me too, and, and I hate having to explain it. But, but knowing that the folks that are actually out there working with you guys closely are really really engaged in what you're doing and want to help you succeed. I think that that's where the big win comes in from labs and supply. Well said. Yeah. I'll even second that. I mean, the people locally that help us from dent supply, I mean, they help, they're good. They, they really seem like they care, but we got to also remember how big dent supply is. I mean, <laughs> it's huge. I can't imagine what percentage lab is in the grand scheme of things, but I imagine it's not, I don't know, definitely not the majority. No, no, no. It's a small yeah, one. small component to the grand scheme of dent supply, Serona. Man, we got their attention now. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> awesome. I hope so. Don't forget about us lab people. No. I've been on many meetings and I say, do you want to hear what the lab guy's perspective is? And I'll tell him. I said, you're probably going to fire me when I tell you this, but you don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate you being a spokesman for us in dent supply absolutely yes we do thank you here to serve buddy here to serve awesome well we appreciate it jimmy thank you so much for coming on the podcast oh it's an honor man i'm humbled so if somebody wants you to come to their lab and show them how to do this what do they do contact dent supply yeah they're local rep right they're local yeah. rep. call me we'll set it up say we want jimmy in the lab that's right i get that occasionally <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. The Asiga Max, the world's most advanced lab 3D printer, offers exceptional productivity in a small footprint, and Whitmix has plenty in stock. So anyone interested in owning this proven 3D printer and saving a lot of money with the Section 179 deduction, Order now so it can be up and running in your lab or your dental office before the end of the year. It's only a couple weeks, so get moving. 
With the 62 micron print precision, the MAX is optimized for both dental lab or clinical environment. Its exclusive SPS Smart Positioning System technology guarantees every layer is formed accurately and resulting in consistent results in any environment. And its single point calibration makes calibrating extremely accurate and fast. As an open material system, you can print any suitable resin from any material manufacturer. Your choice, no strings attached. The Max also features the fastest material changeover at any 3D printer. Uh, thinking labs love this. Change completely from one print resin to another in under 30 seconds. That's fantastic. Call Whitmix today to enjoy lots of holiday savings and tax credits with the finest printer available. Well, thank you, Jimmy, for coming on our podcast. We do understand the hard decisions that companies have to make for the greater good of the whole. While not all of them seem wise to everyone, we need to look at the bigger picture, and it's nice to know that Densefly has people like Jimmy on its team looking out for us laboratories. If you are a lab and fully invested in the Lucitone carbon-printed denture, we would love to have you on the podcast talking about the workflow and materials. No salespeople, just real technicians talking about its everyday use. So please send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com so we can get you on our 2021 schedule. But I am serious when I say I worry about what we do today becomes something that we won't be able to do in the future once the technology is affordable and available to the offices. We've seen it too many times. I don't know what we can do to stop it, but maybe as an industry we can come up with something that we can keep in our profession to keep us strong. But enough about that, everybody. Let's have a great Christmas, a holiday, or whatever you want to call it. Heck, let's just have nice long weekends not working. Woohoo! <laughs> fireball, eggnog. Can you put fireball in eggnog? Probably. I think you could put fireball in anything, but I don't know. Everything would have a cinnamon flavor to it. Yeah, I'm thinking you put cinnamon in eggnog, so yeah. That's there you go. I know Barb's playing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. That's how we roll.